where am I? You washed up. Sorry? Welcome to the island of discarded women, my friend. I used to be somebody. Are you that woman on the radio? Your island job is peladora de papas. Uh, sorry, what? Potato peeler. 87% match for uh, your skills. Okay, that's not... Anyway, what is the second best match then? Host of the Island Podcast. Are you kidding me? No, no, see, that's me. That That's perfect for me. I love shining with you. Oh, do you see that? See, see what? 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 Look, right there in the sky. What? You know, like way in the distance. Yeah, something's moving. What's this? Is probably a plane, right? Mm, what? No, it's different. Yeah, it looks a little different. Oh, you're right. It does yeah. look different. You know, if I was a kid right now, I would pray that was Santa. <laughs> it's right? too early for Santa Sue. Hey, he has to go all the way around the world. I mean, it takes time, don't you think? I guess that's true. Yeah. I didn't think hey, Mary. Yeah. Hey, Mary, wake up, please, Mary. Mary, hello. Mary. Hello. My name is Mary. Yeah. For English. Hey, Mary, Mary, Mary. Here, okay. Question. When does Santa start flying around the world with the reindeer? I found reindeer games, an yeah. American no, 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 no. action crime thriller starring Ben Affleck, Gary Sinise, and Charlize Theron. No, Mary. Santa. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Also known as... Chris Kringle, oh. Père okay. Noel, Papa Noel, Weihnachtsman, oh, okay. oh. Babbo Natale, oh. Papa oh. Noel. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. You, see, Mary's so resourceful. She is so I love good. That. So good. good. I didn't know that. Okay, so Day, when you were a kid, mm -hmm. did you grow up putting out milk and cookies for Santa on Christmas Eve? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. And, and we yeah. still do it. You okay. know, in fact... This year, yeah. my little brothers, yeah. they wrote a letter to Santa. Oh, yeah? And they said to him, they said, I hope you don't get sick from eating all the milk and cookies. Isn't that sweet? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like Santa lactose intolerant? Or They're what? lactose intolerant. So maybe we'll put out soy milk this year. Oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. That. I think that's we should try why. that. Okay, yeah. so that was my job yeah. on Christmas Eve. Okay. I mean, I could care less about the presents. First thing in the morning, I just ran to the little table by the front door. We didn't have a chimney. Uh -huh. And wanted to see if Santa had eaten the cookies and the milk that I left out. Uh -huh. And my mother had staged it perfectly. There was one little bite of cookie still left there, <laughs> and some little crumbs, and a tiny bit of milk still left in the bottom oh, of the glass. Can't forget the milk, yeah. But you know, I really appreciate it because I so, so, so wanted to believe. Yeah. Right. Seeing yeah. is believing. Yeah. But sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. Mm. That's true. You're right. Yeah, Mary. that is so I right. Didn't think about yeah. That. yeah, like that yeah. thing that's moving in the sky. Uh-huh. I still think it's Santa. Okay, fine, me too. It's yeah, Santa. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. I mean it. that or yeah. E.T. Oh, I found E.T. Oh. otherwise known as Entertainment Tonight. Uh, no. The authoritative yeah, source of entertainment oh, and no. celebrity yeah, right, right. news with unprecedented access mm -hmm. to Hollywood's biggest uh, stars. No, 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 no Mary. No. E.T. the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like E.T. phone home. <laughs> right. E.T. E. E. phone home. E.T. E. 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 phone home. What, 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 Mary? What'd you do? E.T. phone home. Oh, no. Mary, what? E.T. phone home. Phone home. E.T. phone home. So, after Turkey Day and the Christmas decor is set up for the season, my entire Mongya Kankai family gets together to do the New Year's cleansing called Li Shu. This is a cleansing that is meant to ward off any bad luck or bad omens from the previous year and to bless you and your family for the coming year. Now, this is a really big event for my family since there's over a hundred of us. Yeah, my grandpa had four wives, and each wife had four to eight kids, and those kids had kids, and those kids' kids had or were having kids, so it's safe to say we don't get together often. But when we do, it has to be outside. And with this kind of event where you have to be in attendance, or if you physically can't, your family has to bring a piece of your clothing, it's cold, okay? And you walk in a large circle, set amount of times back and forth, sacrifice some chickens, wonder why this always happens in December, and hope you don't freeze from the awkward family dynamics or the cold. Thank you, Day. Thank you. Okay, we have a guest contributor tonight. Carol Jean Anderson, come on up. Now you hear her voice, 
Every time you've heard that opening montage that you heard a little earlier, um, she and Day uh, play the wash-up rescue team that rescue me when I, when I first wash up to the island. And we recorded this scene at uh, Cedar Lake one very, very windy day in August of 2018. And uh, Carol Jean speaks a little Swedish, right? Yeah, 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 can tell a little gran. Yeah, see? That's Swedish. And um, we were fine-tuning the script, and I asked Carol Jean how the line, floater incoming, could be translated into Swedish. And she said, floater incoming, yeah. <laughs> Swedish, that's Swedish, that's Swedish. Please welcome Carol Jean Anderson. Thank you. I just retired. Uh, so, when I think back, way back, I left college with big dreams and lots of platitudes. You know, follow your bliss your heart, do what you love, the money will follow. <laughs> I graduated with a BA in theater and a minor in music, much to my dad's confusion and dismay. What kind of job were you gonna get with that? I felt if I could sing in choirs, be in plays and musicals the rest of my life, I'd be happy. Flash forward to years of riding the roller coaster of a life in the theater with some thrilling highs. I'm the witch! I'm the witch! I got the part of the Children's Theater's national touring production of Hansel and Gretel, and we were performing at the Kennedy Center. Lower than low lows. After I was brought out to Seattle to do a new play at a major theater, I decide to move there and end up on unemployment for six months. And then there were the month to months in between theater work. These months, years, were peppered with temp work, waiting tables, teaching ESL, doing retail sales and telemarketing, even with Sue. Um, and all of this added up to a burnout in my mid to late 40s. Thoughts like, when are you gonna get a real job? Or 401k, IRA, hmm, started to give me pause. A friend suggested I sell Volkswagens with her. It's fun, she said, working with the guys, making good money. Really? I felt like it would be a sellout. And another friend said, you won't be selling cars. You'll be selling Volkswagens. You'll be selling movement. I still wasn't convinced. I took a little getaway trip to noodle on things with the hope of having some clarity about the decision. I went to Stockholm, Wisconsin. <laughs> I came to the conclusion that I can't do this. What am I thinking? I can't sell out to the man. <sighs> then I get home, only to find out that I got the job if I want it. What? You're kidding. I don't know anything about cars. I can do sales. I'm a people person, and I do love VWs, and I really do need the money. So I decide to meet with the manager. And he says, quite simply, well, you want to give it a try? So I tried it for 18 years and nine months. Three weeks, two days. There's a fork at the path that we walk every day. You're offered two choices, be true or betray. And each little lie leads us further astray from the home where the soul can flourish. Early on in my sales training, there was a trainer who'd been with Volkswagen many years. 
and he presented an old-fashioned slideshow, sharing his story of his family picking up their VW van in Germany and traveling all over Europe in it. And he had cute pictures of himself as a kid, and he spoke with passion, and I found it so touching, I was moved to tears. I'm not sure any of the guys in the room had that same reaction. Uh, us women, we were always outnumbered. But he made me feel very proud of the brand and excited to try something new. My dad would have loved it. He would have gotten such a kick out of it. Some years later, another training class, and this power trainer had a, had a stand up in front of a mirror and exclaim loudly, I am money. I am money. You've got to be kidding me. He suggested we do it every morning. No way. Oh, I, I never thought of myself that way. I am love. I am fun. I am creative. I'm not sure this job is me. There's a dry droning sound that is hollow and cruel as our language is gutted to be some tyrant's tool and we're crazy with hunger we're thought to be fools but the heart still demands to be nourished now my sales job did have its advantages i got to drive nice new cars I'm driving my ninth Beetle, 2019 final edition, fully loaded. Mm -hmm. I met some wonderful people, made some lifelong friends, both colleagues and customers. I had the opportunity to travel Italy, Paris, Spain, Egypt, the real Stockholm. And I even won a sales contest and got to go to Germany and see the Volkswagen plant, among other things. Well, I was making good money, and I was good at it. But the job got to me, because it was very time and energy consuming. Auto sales culture can foster a be available 24-7 way of thinking and lead to workaholism. My colleague and buddy who sat next to me, we would often discuss our longings for something greater than this. You know the song. Something creative. I'd say, when are you going to do a show of your photography? And he'd say to me, when are you going to sing or audition again? The job did not feed my soul. tell you my dreams do you promise to guard them well everything is much more than it seems there is power in these stories we tell there is love in these secrets we tell I had a manager who was difficult to be around. I seemed to really annoy him. Particularly if I ever came into the office with a song in my heart, a spring in my step, and maybe was humming or singing the song, playing from the Muzak. Look at me, I'm as helpless as a kitten up a tree. He'd He'd give me the evil eye and shush me or roll his eyes. And it got to me. I was being dismissed and didn't feel appreciated. I knew it wasn't me, but it poisoned the air. It planted a, I gotta get out of here seed. When we're asked to forget we're denied what we know. In the rich ground of memory, resistance will grow. And we find our own voices, they're rusty and slow. But without 
them were certain to perish. I was getting closer to that magic age where I could collect my full Social Security benefits, and I was feeling this cannot happen soon enough. They did throw a curveball at me, though. They hired new management that were fun to be around, and we were doing really well in spite of the pandemic, surprisingly. But I just knew the time was coming for my exit. People say you know when it's time, and I was done and doneer. No more wheeling and dealing for me, please, please. My heart was not in it. I was yearning for a different way to serve. I always like to think of myself as serving customers, rather than selling them something. So I felt good about leaving. I felt grateful. I was going out on a high note. They threw a wonderful retirement party for me. There was laughter and tears and lots of COVID careful hugs. I am ready for another chapter. A creative one, like the one I remember. I will tell you my dreams. Will you promise to guard them well? Everything is much more than it seems. There is power in these stories we tell. Love in these secrets we tell. Yes, out of our memory, a world is reborn, where the heart and the soul are cherished. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just beautiful, and thank you to Claudia Schmidt for her beautiful song "Remember," and Zibi Lasky for accompanying Carol Jean. Tu tu ti ku tu ti ku ti ku, que alegres la Navidad. Chil 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 chil. El niño ha nacido ya. I was a little kid growing up in Guatemala, and my aunt would play the accordion while we visited the neighborhood houses, singing traditional holiday songs from house to house. The people we visited would give us candy and little trinkets. It was so much fun. Well, there were other more formal gigs, such as singing in a in a church, at a baptism, and such. But Christmas singing was the best. The choir was started by my grandma. Bless her heart. She had six children, that multiplied into twenty-eight grandchildren. And what do you do with so many kids running around when you're an opera singer? You start a children choir. <laughs> Yeah, yep. So our holidays had a lot of singing. Pastores vengan a cantar. Los niños quieren adorar. Los guacalitos a tocar y los chinchines a sonar. We also performed pastorelas, which are reenactments of the nativity. Because I was one of the smallest grandchildren when I started my career at the choir, I was four years old. They always gave me the role of a shepherd, but that made me mad. I wanted to be an angel. 
my older cousins always got those parts. Oh, they always look so cute with their wings and the sparkles. And uh, they seem to run the angel mafia because they would not let go those roles. No, we are the angels. Thank you, thank you. Okay, our musical guest, she's an amazing singer, awesome person. She shared her journey of survival with this podcast in our From Home episode number 17, which was very, very, very moving. Um, she can sing and does sing at all. Uh, she writes. And if you are a Facebook friend of hers, you have had the absolute treat of witnessing Jennifer singing her three-year-old son Julian to sleep with these precious little acapella lullabies. I'm telling you, these lullaby videos never cease to calm me way the heck down. So, Jennifer, please yes. tell me, what's one of Julian's favorite lullabies that you sing? Well, since he's so young, the favorite does change day to day. Okay. But one of my favorites uh, is from... Lady in the Tramp, okay. Peggy Lee. She wrote it. She sang it in the show. Yeah. La La Lou. Okay. How's it go? Oh. Just a little. Well, right no, right right right? right? Okay. So the selfie video is like this close. So you see Julian's head and you see like half of Jennifer's face. That's how close it is. And it's dark. Yeah. So you have to really get into it. You have to really get into it. And she sings this. La La Lou. La La Lou. Oh, my little star sweeper, I'll sweep the stardust for you. La, la, lo, la, la, lo, little soft, fluffy sleeper, here comes a pink cloud for you. La, la, lo. La la lo, little wandering angel, fold up your wings, close your eyes. La la lo, la la lo, and may love be your keeper. La la lo, la la lo, la. Star Sweeper, dream on. Oh, see? Precious. It's precious. Please welcome Jennifer Grimm and Joe Cruz. Hi, everybody. So glad to be part of this whole situation. Yes, Joe Cruz and I are husband and wife, and together we have four children. Their ages are 23, 15, 12, and 3. Yes, all of those reactions are valid. We were surprised, too. <laughs> And so sometimes, with all of the hustle and the bustle and the different versions of family gatherings in the holidays, sometimes you want to have just a little romantic moment with your sweet, sweet, sweetheart. And, uh, and I wrote this song a few years back about a moment just like that. Christmas is a happy time of year. All the friends and family are near but just this once the two of us are here let's take a break and celebrate my dear and have a quiet Christmas no one will miss us for just one night Let's find a hideaway From the holiday When the time is right The room's a bit too loud And the party gets too crowded 
Let's find a place where you can hear me whisper in your ear and have a quiet Christmas with quiet kisses down by the fire just for a little while let's relax and I'll be your heart's desire for you Sweetheart Joe Cruz. And have a quiet Christmas with quiet kisses down by the fire. Just for a little while, let's relax and I'll be your heart's desire. son, their son, Julian. Julian looks exactly like Joe. I mean, mini me. I mean, they could be twins. I know. They look so much alike, in yeah. fact, that sometimes I wonder if I'm actually the mother. Oh. I didn't go to school much, but I don't think that's how that works. But anyway, um, okay. Zippy, take it away. <laughs> My late grandmother's nativity scene was passed down to me. I remember as a little girl playing with it as if it were a dollhouse. My cousins and I hovered around this tiny stable. Okay, now don't be late for school, baby Jesus, Mother Mary called out, and Jesus scurries off to school with his three comrades, you know, the three wise kings who were always up to no good. We spent so many hours make-believing, and my grandma loved it. She never cared that we were messing with her things. She wanted us to play and laugh and enjoy the little things in her house. I'm honored to be the chosen grandchild who inherited her nativity scene. Well, I may have been the only grandchild who wanted it. <laughs> but hey, I'm sentimental. And this year, seeing my daughter set it up so thoughtfully and so intentionally, I could see her imagination going, placing each one just where it belongs. And I know my grandma would have been absolutely delighted. Okay, so today is December 12th. 1212, right? Okay. So I was born at 1212. Okay, not, not on 1212, I was born at. 12, 12 p.m. And the reason why I know this is because of a little cream-colored ceramic vase shaped like an open book. And on one side is a kneeling, praying little girl angel. And on the other side are the stats of my birth. 
handwritten in gold. So my first and middle name, and then date of birth, and then weight, and then time of day of birth, and the name of the hospital. So now this little vase has always been in my room growing up. I mean, all the way up through high school, and no matter what house we lived in. Usually, I use it as a pencil holder, because I needed a pencil holder. <laughs> then after digital clocks became really prevalent, whenever I would see 1212 on a clock, it would trigger this little thought of, hey, happy birthday to me. Which is a little internal thing, a little internal thing. Because if I said it out loud, it would confuse people. They're, oh, 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 wow, it, it, it's your birthday? Oh, no, 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 it's a clock thing, it's a 12, 12 thing, never mind. Anyway, my real birthday, however, is later this month, on the 26th. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Actually, my mother's due date was on December 25th. But because of some earlier issues, it was decided that I should be a planned cesarean birth. Now, there was a tight window of time there, but the doctor really didn't want to work on Christmas Day if he didn't have to. So he gave my parents the choice of the day before or the day after Christmas. And my parents chose the latter because growing up in a minister's family home, Christmas Eve is, of course, like the busiest day of the year. So, at 12.12 on December 26th, I was born. Probably a teensy bit overcooked because my dad said I came out eyes wide open, like ready to start this life. Like, let's just get this thing going. I happened to share this 12-12 thing with uh, my new boyfriend, now husband, uh, when we first started dating. And at my first Christmas home, after we met, I get a call from him on my birthday and he says, hey, happy birthday, birthday girl. It's 12-12 on December 26th. And it was. And we were like, oh my God, it is 12. Oh my God. He had figured out the time difference. He had timed it perfectly so that he would call precisely at 12-12. Big points for that, right? <laughs> I mean, th uh, this is pre-cell phone, children, okay? <laughs> okay, flash forward to my next Christmas home with my parents, and my mother spends the entire time leading up to December 26th, wondering if Ron was gonna be calling again at 12.12. And oh, we better be home just in case he does, and we better not do anything important. Oh, and we better not, not even have a big lunch because Susie needs to be available in case the phone rings at 12.12. Mom, 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 mom. Stop, stop. Okay, I don't know if he's gonna call, okay? He did that last year, it was really cool, but I don't know if he is or if he isn't. So just let's, let's let it go, okay? Let's just drop it. It's just too much pressure. And the phone rings. And it's 12-12. Hey, happy birthday, birthday girl. It's 12-12. There are times in my life, and I'm sure in your life too, where somebody um, you encounter somebody who inspires you. And, and maybe for just, not anything big that they ever did, it's just the, who they are, or, or, or for how they are. Um, it might be something about their demeanor, or how they react in a certain situation, or maybe there's a sort of a joyous attitude about them. And I think, wow, I really wanna be like that. Now, this somebody could be somebody I know, it could be somebody I'm related to, or maybe it's not somebody I know at all. So then, would that somebody be like a role model to me? I mean, maybe. I mean, they probably wouldn't think of themselves as a role model because they're a role model. I mean, nobody plans on being a role model, right? I mean, you know, grow up saying, hey, I'm gonna be a role model. Um, but I can aspire to live like that somebody, right? Like that role model and be influenced by them. So then here's the question. Am I able then to pay that forward to those I encounter? I guess that would be the goal, wouldn't it? She is calm in rough water as she balances the boat In a sinking situation, she knows how to float She's like opening up the window like that first breath of fresh air She talks about things differently and genuinely cares And I know what 
what she's been to me And oh, I hope that I can be that somebody to somebody someday I find it all inspiring Don't we all want to be somebody Somebody Trailblazing next to the sun Showing the my truth so I die well write a story time will tell I close my eyes and that's what I dream to be somebody somebody Ooh. my somebody is bold daring resilient, blunt. She doesn't take no for an answer, but she's very good at making you think she's considering it. Ooh, my somebody has a forward-thinking vision with big dreams for the future, is not concerned with what others might think of her, would say your name in a room full of opportunities, practices self-care, and gives to others. And she's brave. My somebody is a question asker, a can-doer, a seeker-searcher, a figure-outerer, who is vulnerable, doesn't know everything, feels pain and gets it, is fearless, quietly brilliant, lets you in, and is gracious, graceful, and grateful. I find it all inspiring, don't we all want to be somebody, somebody, trailblazing next to the sun, showing Story time will tell I close my eyes and that's what I dream To be somebody, somebody I know we have our own set of roadblocks But still I wonder how it would feel To have two Voices soothing and familiar in this ever-changing world. She's like a morning cup of coffee with an informative swirl. And I know what she's been to me, and oh, I hope that I can be that somebody to somebody someday. I find it all inspiring. story time will tell I close my eyes and that's what I dream it doesn't feel too far out of reach I close my eyes and that's what I dream to be somebody somebody Zippy Lasky. And now please welcome our somebody for this evening, Kathy Werzer. Kathy, come on out. 
Hi. Hi. People. Hi. Look at that. Okay. I know. Look at all the people. I rarely get to see people. It's really cool. I know, because yeah. you're like in a booth all the time. Yeah, right. And okay. I'm in front of a TV camera. There's no one in front of the camera either. I know. Well, there's a amazing. camera, guys. And we've had pan a pandemic, and I've been working at home. And I've I been, know. Yeah, and I'm your cool padded people. room. You had that cool padded room, that black and, black and red padded room. That is a closet in my home. That's a red pad. The red now padded. we know people. Yeah. Now we know she has a red and black padded, padded closet, closet in her room. In my, yeah, in um, my bedroom. First off, before we go on, do you recognize yourself in this song? She's like a morning cup of coffee with an informative swirl. <laughs> That's, I, I have to say. You have, oh no, I have to finish. You have admirers in the room, of course, right? But you have a big admirer in our cast. Oh. And I won't point her out, but she kind of wrote this song. I love the song. And she's kind of sitting behind you. Oh my god! At the piano. There she is. There she is. I was just I was thinking, I love the song. I was gonna ask you who wrote the song. Oh yeah, really she beautiful. wrote it. She wrote totally wrote oh, it. Oh my god. She totally gosh. wrote it. And 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 you were the inspiration. Oh my totally. gosh. Really? Right. So yes. And it's brilliant. Oh my gosh. So did you say something? COVID hug. COVID hug. Oh, oh COVID definitely hug. COVID hug. Okay, so let's just get started. So you're a broadcaster, journalist, duh. Okay. <laughs> and, and an author. Yes. Okay. And you can be heard every morning on NPR's Morning Edition. And every Friday you're doing TPT's award-winning almanac. Yes. By the way, 37 years as of last Friday. 37 years. Longest running program of its kind in the nation. You were 12 when it started. I didn't, I know, I haven't been doing the whole show for, the, for 37 years. Oh, oh, you haven't? No. I didn't, I 20 didn't some odd, 20 oh, some I didn't. odd. Well, that's long enough. And you have a new radio show at NPR called Minnesota Now. Yes, okay. at noon. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I think there are four or five. I know. There are four or five. But under. you have to build on yeah. that. You build of course on... you do. Of course we have to build. And you are the founder of the End in Mind Project. That is true which focuses on helping people live and die well. Yes. We're going to get into all of that. First, I want to know what motivated you to go into broadcast journalism in the first place. <laughs> you told me something about a wrong turn when you were in college. Well, you know, yes. And we all live um, unexpected lives, right? None of our lives go the way we thought they were going to no, go. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it was it was a it was a it was kind of a wrong turn in a sense. I was going to be a um, print journalist. I wanted to be a newspaper woman, and um, yeah. I went to UW River Falls. And you could not work at the student newspaper until you were a junior, and I was uh, a freshman, yeah. and uh, doing way too much drinking and eating bad food. And so my <laughs> Uh, roommates said, you know, we, there's a radio station here. You should go up there and offer to type up the news for them. Oh. And I thought, yeah. okay, I'll do that. So we went up and, and the news director at the time said, we don't type the news up, we rip and read. And there was that the old AP Associated Press teletype in the corner clacking away. Oh, sure. She said, go over there, rip it up, and we just read it, okay? And why don't you go in the, the booth and just, why don't you try something like that? And I thought, no, I, there's no way. And my roommate said, I dare you. <laughs> and of course, I thought, no, I, I have to take that dare. So yeah. I did it, and it was oh. like the worst possible piece of broadcasting ever in the history of broadcast. It was awful. I had all the Wisconsin place names I butchered. It was horrendous. <laughs> I went overtime. Um, I remember the DJ is looking at me because I, I didn't know how, how long I was supposed to go. Yeah, so, right. So I'm babbling on and I'm tripping, and so he's in the control menu. He does this. Now, what would, what would you do if you saw this? I would this? spin around. I would get up and spit around. He's he's right? circling. Like he's got a lariat over his head. Yeah. And I thought it meant to to read faster. Oh sure. So thought, that yeah, would be yeah, that would exactly. be my second right. The so, first thing would be the thing, and then the thing would be faster. So yeah, I started yeah. to read fast, and okay. he, he he kept doing this, and he kept going faster, and I kept reading faster and faster and faster and faster, <laughs> and finally he just went kind of made that slash across his neck, kind of you know like that, and he he turned off my mic. <gasps> Oh, I was so embarrassed. Oh, no. So I thought, oh, my God, I think yeah. I screwed up. So I went out, and the news director said, that was great. <laughs> I went, what? And she said, no, I know. You went overtime by about three minutes. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You were great. Come, why don't you come back? And I just thought, it was so horrible. It was fun. I came back a few times, and then I switched my major to broadcast journalism. And the rest is history. Pretty much. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. 
I'm not going to give too much away, but you were telling me about a thing you were supposed to do. And the thing you were supposed to do, there was sort of a topic. And the topic was five interesting things about you oh. that not everybody knows. And you said to me, I couldn't even think of one. And I said, okay, I'll think of five things for you. A quick search on your website pointed me to two things that I did not know. So besides the broadcast, the journalism, all that kind of stuff, you list artist and you list equestrian. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So there's one picture of you on a horse. Well, yeah. And all it says is, me horsing around. <laughs> well, and you think, oh, is that what an equestrian, how they promote themselves? Anyway, so I thought, tell me about being a competitive equestrian and what it, that even means. I recycle race horses and yeah. reuse them as show horses. Is what and then I've what done. do you do? And I do something called dressage with them, which is like watching paint dry, if you don't know what it is. But it's really a beautiful exercise of, it's, it's a really a wonderful connection between horse and rider. And sometimes you do it to music, and sometimes you do it with different exercises. And do, is that with like, like prance? They kind of prance. Yeah. So how long have you been doing that? Oh, gosh. For, uh, my first tour of duty at NPR, I was, I was doing Morning Edition, and I was so bored. I'd go home at noon and just sit around, and I finally thought I'm going to take riding lessons. So it was, it's been actually since uh, in my 30s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, see? I know. That's one. Who knew that? Did anybody know that? Well, it's kind anybody of marginally interesting, don't you think? No, it's very interesting. <laughs> All right. It's okay. fun. Then you have artist on your website. Well, kind of artist, yeah. And I asked you about that, and you said, well, I do mosaics. You know, I do like bird baths and, and you know, and, and entry to hallways and stuff. I'm like, excuse me? Well, I'm thinking bowls. Like you do like a I bowl. I do bowls, yeah. No. I mean, if you want, if, if I would, you know, this would be a lovely... You would do this? Well, you know, like, just like an entry. You know, I have done no, bowls. No, no, that, see, that's not like an What are you talking about? That's like a big deal. I break up little bits of glass and put them yeah, together. Yeah, how do you it's do fine. that? Do you like break yes, dishes and stuff? Yes, yes. In yeah. your house? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Seriously? This is what I do. Yeah, it, it, it's really a great stress reliever. I bet. Just break. Can I come over and do that sometime you with would you? Be, we'd have fun. Okay, we would have a lot yeah. of fun. All right, mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. So, yeah, artists, kind of, sort of. Mm -hmm. And you, you told me that you have a dream someday to compete in the State Fair Art Contest. I would love that. Yeah. Well, why don't, what's stopping you? Um, really, not a whole lot of time okay. to get something done. Hey, you're the them. one that put artist on your website. I know, I'm I know, because I'm, I'm trying you to know, be an equestrian. You, you Hello. can't be unless you see it, and I'm trying to That's just, true. you know, I'm putting it out there. Okay. I believe the universe will help. If okay. You just put okay. it out there. I'm going to be right. an artist. Yep. So if we're tracking, that's two, right? That's two. Okay. Well, yeah, again. Okay. okay. Uh, now, from your Facebook page, you, you really you talk about I stop. mining my background. I do. I stop. Uh, wow. From your Facebook page, you collect vintage radios. I do. For obvious reasons, don't you think? True, makes that makes sense. sense. But then I found out that you are now learning how to refurbish them. That is true. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to learn how to do that. Of not course, many women. Of course. And not I, many I've always women thought that. It. I always thought, I someday I should learn how to. No, not everybody <laughs> thinks that. Who has ever thought, I'm going to learn sometime how to refurbish a radio? Has anybody thought that? All right. Anybody, anybody, anybody? See? Very few women do it, I have to say. No, I go I over, usually it's older guys who have been in, in radio. Engineers yep. that we both know and love. Yes. Yeah. Over at the Pavic um, Museum. Yeah. And yes, so yes, they're yes. great. Love them. And uh, so I'm, I'm learning how to do that. Sure. Why not? And then are you going to open up your own like radio radio pair shop? <laughs> no, I can't even With like a horse that. out front. <laughs> can't even And the entryway that. is mosaic. <laughs> She's got it going on. <laughs> it's all coming together. It's all coming together. Oh. Okay. When I retire, I can see that. Okay. You're going to kill me, but... Oh, no. I know. I have, to, I have to. We've only got three. We're going, we're going for two more. This is why I never did... I can't even I know, but see, this with. is Island of Discarded Women. We talk about... We, we're honest. <laughs> we get emotional. We bare our souls. I love that. You take belly dancing classes. That is true. Oh, is there a belly dancing enthusiast over here? Yeah. Anyway, you said you've been taking it for years. You're still on level one. You're yeah, pretty good. much. <laughs> Yeah. But tell me about that. I love it. The, the, my, my women from Joa here and the Cassandra School of, of Middle Eastern Dance, they're wonderful women. And, and I so love the art form because it is so beautiful. And it doesn't make any difference how old you are, what your body type is. No one cares. You just shake it and just let it go. And it's fantastic. 
shake it and let it go. I mean, don't you? I think no that's the name of your radio <laughs> repair shop. You're going to go ahead and get me into Shake it and let it go. That's actually going to be the, on my gravestone. She okay. shook it and she there let you. it go. But you were telling me you like the bells. And, so you wear clothes that have bells and stuff on them. Yeah, belly belts. I mean, belly yeah, belts. there's, well, scarves that have jingleys on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is that part of, is, are you supposed to wear those things? Sure, yeah. Can you not? Are you not allowed in if you don't wear those things? You can what do whatever point? you want. I guess. I just I, guess. I just like things that sparkle and shine and jingle and it's fun. It really is fun. And I and I just love the fact that even though I'm not very good uh, and I do flamenco dancing, I'm not very good at that either. See. And I'm going to do tango, which I do really love tango. Not good at that either. But I just keep going because why not? No, why I love not? it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. When do you have And I would never in a million zillion years ever show anyone my Billy dancing costume ever. Or, or dance in front of anyone. Ever, never, ever, I, ever, ever. I'm ever. sorry. I think that's a dare. No, it's not going to happen tonight because we didn't talk about it. But next time you're on, I think that's a dare. You said uh, you can't pass up a dare. I'm daring true. you. I am daring you, Kathy. Where's her? <gasps> what? Let's do it here. Let's do it. Wow. All right. So I think we're about four. Is that four? Is that four? Okay. I'm working on the fifth. Um, I want to get back to uh, just take a little bit of a turn here. So the radio and the TV and all the years that you've been doing this. A long time. I, I'm just curious, as a veteran in the field, does it ever feel or has it ever felt or does it still feel like that you are a woman working in a man's world? Or maybe it's different. Maybe it's changed. Or maybe it never felt like that for you. I'm just curious. Oh, gosh, no one's ever asked me that. Yes, it has often felt like it felt like that from the very beginning because what it was, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing, so the other project I'm doing, okay. the history of broadcasting in Minnesota. Did I tell you that oh, one? Oh, no, I knew about that one. Yeah, I, I, I digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm doing yeah, a book yeah. and a documentary. And yeah. I say this because um, every single person at this point is a white male because that's who was involved in broadcasting, oh, all white right, men, right? right? right, right. So I'm trying really hard to find women and folks of color, and I'm doing that. In the early days, it's, it's pretty difficult, right? Yeah. So it, yes, it is, broadcasting is, has been, and is still pretty much a man's world, although that's changing now. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think I, I morphed, I um, changed my personality to fit in. Does that make oh. sense? You change your personality a for little them? bit. Like mm -hmm. how? Um, you know, when you're surrounded by guys, you tend to kind of act a little bit tougher, rougher. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, probably, if people, if you would have known me prior to getting into broadcast, you'd be a little surprised to know <laughs> who I am right now. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So I changed to fit the circumstance. Is that a good thing, do you think? I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering. I, I think that's why I think it would be really interesting to see what happens in the next uh, five, ten years as we get more women in, in positions of yeah. power in the business. Yes, right, right, right. right. I mean, I finally worked for my first woman. Right. Um, the new CEO. Yeah, yeah. several years ago. I, I, in the newsroom. Oh, oh the newsroom. And room. now the new CEO yeah. is, a, is a woman. Right. So it's changing. Well, that's good to know. It is changing, changing, right. But, but yeah. that is fascinating that you sort of feel that you've that you evolved really, kind of more. It, it, yeah. I hadn't really thought about it until you asked yeah. me that question, but I think if you didn't fit in, you were gone. Right. Right? Yeah. So, and those who weren't able to handle the rough, tough kind of stress, they were, they were just kind of, they would slough away. In fact, I had one news director say, you're more man than most men I've had in this newsroom. And I thought, at first I thought that was really Ew. good, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. yeah. No, boo. I know. Right. And I don't know what that meant. I'm like, oh, ick. Is that good? I know. Is that good or is that, that bad? bad? I know. Yeah. You know what? If you it's had weird. the belly dancing costume on. Don't even go there. I bet he would have gone. Whatever. Even go there. Oh, no, yeah. but I, I'm sorry about that, actually. I am. I know. I'm right? sorry about that. I wasn't yeah. sure. At first, I thought it was kind of. I wasn't sure what to say. I thought, no, of is that good? Right. I don't know. Maybe because right. I'm, I'm rough and tough. Yeah. And yeah, no. I don't think it's good, actually. Thank you for sharing that, though. Because no that, one's ever I mean, asked me that. Okay, good. So that's a cool thing. But, I, but thank you for sharing that, because I think one of the reasons, and I don't really want to sort of rehash why I created this podcast, but one of the reasons is to ask why. And when someone says, well, it's always been that way. Why? If anybody really wants to know what I'm trying to do up here, I'm asking why. 
Do I have the answers? I have none of the answers. That's why we're all doing this. So thank you for joining me while we're asking why and trying to find the answers. I want to talk more about that, but let's move on. Okay. Because we've got a million other things. The End in Mind Project. Yes. In 2011, yes. you started, you began a series of 30-some interviews with, uh, during your morning edition shows, with Bruce Kramer, who was living and dying at that time with ALS. Tell us who Bruce Kramer is and how you met him. Bruce was the dean of the College of Education at the University of St. Thomas. And I was dragged kicking and screaming into the project by a coworker in the newsroom who was at Bruce's church and came up and said, you know, you should talk to this guy. He's blogging beautifully about his illness, ALS. Mm -hmm. And he's not just getting into the symptomology of this thing. He's getting into like, how do you want to live until you can't? Mm -hmm. You should talk to him. And I, I thought, God, no. Why would I do that? I mean, there are zillions, of, God bless them, zillions of people in the world that are diagnosed with terrible, terrible diseases. Why would I pick this one guy out of, out of this whole bunch of people? And this coworker kept like a gnat zipping around, you know, buzzing around my head, and he kept bugging. But, and so finally I said, yes, please, fine, bring him over. And I thought, I'll just do a one and done. So I know this sounds just horrible to admit this, but so no. in comes Bruce to, into studio, and I thought it was going to be just a 10-minute thing. We talked for two hours. Wow. And I thought to myself, holy moly, there's something here. Mm -hmm. There is something here with this guy. So that's how it started. And we just kept talking and talking mm -hmm. till his death. And the caveat was, Bruce said, as we got into the conversations, um, and they were wildly popular conversations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he said, if we're going to continue to do this, you have to be there at the end. Oh. And I went, what do you mean? Yeah. And he said, at the end, when I am dying. And, he's, and I, I said, I, I, just, I don't think I can do that. Oh, my gosh. And he said, you know what? And that's okay. If you can't do that, that's okay. And maybe, maybe this isn't the project wow. for you. Wow. And I thought, oh, my gosh. So I thought, okay, maybe I, maybe, and this was like really a lot of, angst that I was going through. And I thought, I just don't know if I'm the right person for this project. Ultimately, I thought maybe I'm being chosen to do it for some weird reason. Mm. So Bruce and I have started this path of talking um, a couple times every month. And it was really, it was a life-changing experience. Truly, it was. He really taught me how to live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the dying are great teachers. The dying are amazing teachers, wow, I will tell you that. Mm -hmm. And then you guys, you collaborated on a book. When he was still alive, yeah. right? That We did a book, well, We Know How This Ends Living While Dying. And yeah. all this time, um, my newsroom management just wasn't sure. This was like 7 o'clock breakfast material. Oh, really? So right. they were like, yeah. We kept, we, we kept sailing it under the radar. Yeah. Oh. We kept just putting it out there and putting it out there. And finally, yeah. it, it just had this great following. So, yeah, we did the book. And um, Bruce... I said to him, gosh, you know what? We've done, we're doing the, these interviews. Do you really want to do a book? Because I thought to myself, what if he dies yeah. at, before the book is done? Right. Shoot. And I remember he said, um, and I told him this. I said, what happens if you, you die when we're doing this book? He said, you can finish it then. I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah right. right. So um, I was kept praying, please, Bruce, I, you know, please don't have Bruce die until the book comes out. I mean, really, that was my prayer, because I really wanted him to see the book. Right. And he... And he did. He did. Right. right. But he died shortly after the book was out. But it was really a beautiful experience. So the book is a lot of his, predominantly his writing. Yeah. Um, but interspersed throughout the chapters are uh, the story of your situation with your father. Right. And he is dying of FTD. Frontotemporal dementia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so tell us a little bit about that, your decision to weave that... Oh, that was hard. ...story because into... Because I'm a pathologically private person. Yeah. Yeah. And so Bruce had said, of course, that if you're going to go on this journey with me, you got to be honest. Yeah. you got to lay yourself out there like I'm going to lay myself out here. So are you able to do that? And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is just... There's, yeah. th this must be some sort of a karma thing coming back at me or something. I don't know. But, um, I, yeah, it was hard to do that. And then when you and I did... The, the audio book, yeah. it was, I mean, thanks, thanks for being with me because I was sobbing through the whole thing. It was really hard to do. Wow, no, thanks for hanging in. So it was interesting, though, that uh, Bruce said he was alive and, uh, long enough to see the book published. Yes, I was so happy. And then when it was, the decision was made to, to do the audio book, 
we were, you were going to read your chapters, right. and we were going to maybe audition some people and find someone to read um, Bruce's chapters. And then you called me one day and you said, you know, his, one of his sons, who's a young lawyer, has done some book signings with me, and he's read some chapters of his dad, and he sounds just like him. Maybe he could do it. And he was terrific. Amazing. He was amazing. And the thing is, he knew his dad's voice. And at one point, I remember the audio, uh, the um, engineer said, because David was so good at it, he said, you know, if you ever wanted to stop being a lawyer and be a voice talent, and you know, that was a really tough decision for him to make. So that's Anyway, um, <laughs> he did not go for that. He no. said, I think I'll stick with the lawyering. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so it was what, such an amazing experience to be that, because it was so joy-filled, and Bruce knew he was dying at the time, and the writing was incredible. And so, okay, that book is what motivated you to create End in Mind. No. No? It was a promise I made to Bruce. Oh, okay. I mean, literally the day, the, the oh, night okay. before he died. Yeah. You know, he was having trouble breathing, and he was, he barely, you could barely understand, and he, and he said, I want you to find the ripples in our work together. And it wow. took him so long just to say that sentence. And I said, oh, honey, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. I don't know. We've done so much. Yeah. What else do you think we're going to, what could I, I don't understand. He said, don't worry. You'll know it when you see it. And I went, oh, my gosh. I said, well, do you want me to, to carry on the work? Is that what you're saying? And he said, yes. And he really couldn't speak after that, you know. Yeah. And I didn't know what I had no idea what that meant. So after he died, I was depressed. I was really in a dark, dark place for like months, months, months after that. And it just finally it popped up actually in, a, in one of those serendipitous lunches that sometimes we have. And it just came to us. Uh, it was just an idea. What if we started a nonprofit? And what if we what if we talked about um, how to help people become more comfortable with, with what is uncomfortable in life, which is usually loss, grief, serious mm -hmm. illness, death, and dying. Yeah. You know, what if we did that? Yeah. And, um, and of course, when, when I tell people what End in Mind is, I can clear out a cocktail party like that because, you know, people are like, oh my God, death and dying. Oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, so End in Mind is just is pretty much about helping people become comfortable with those topics, and we do it in we, before COVID. We were doing these big splashy productions, yeah, with, right. You know, music and A poetry and, and reading, yeah. and you know, it was really fun. And then COVID just blew that all to heck. So we've kind of pivoted, and we're doing podcasts and doing online tools. And you know, podcasts. You know, like podcasts. Yeah, you know. exactly. You know, like this one. <laughs> no, here. But here's your. Here, let me just read the mission statement real quick because. There is something that shouldn't clear out a cocktail room. Um, End in Mind takes the universal experience of dying to help you reimagine what it means to live fully at any stage of life. So really, it's almost as if what I take from it is, uh, is that a way to say, we're all going to die. Yep. So how are we enjoying? I mean, you know, there's the, all the affirmations and that kind of stuff. But truly, how are we you know, enjoying life as we know it? And, and that's what Bruce would talk about. He yeah. said, it's just a damn shame. He was diagnosed at 55. It's just a damn shame that I'm learning how to live, and I only have a few, I don't know how long I've got to live, but yeah. I'm learning finally how to live. Yeah. It's just, I wish we could kind of just move some of this stuff upstream. Yeah. So how do you want to live until you can't? There's one final thing I want to talk to you about. Um, we're, we were talking on the phone about grief during the holidays. Mm. And... I know the holidays, and all of us have experienced the holidays, uh, regardless of your religion, the holidays, the holiday time, um, is a milestone, right? I mean, so it's first holiday without so-and-so. It could be grandma, it could be, you know, our brother, it could be our favorite 16-year-old dog, whatever. So we have that, and we're coming into the holidays with that. There was a friend on, um, that posted... Um, a therapist who she had some suggestions for inviting grief into your home for the holidays and not, not ignoring it and saying if you invite somebody who's grieving, you, you're inviting their grief as well. And that's okay. And I love that. Yes. And be with them. And for me, I think that a lot of the time, um, grief during the holidays to me feels like remembrance and uh, whether it's family time, maybe you're not with family, maybe you're with friends, but it feels like a time that is emotional, of course. 
maybe a part of that emotion is, is a way of paying tribute. And so I think that um, having this conversation about grief and, and loss, I, can, and I loss. have to say this, especially during the pandemic, yes. right? Yes. And loss. Right. And yet moving into the holidays, I still feel that there's room for that, that whole conversation. There is. Yes. Yes. If, if you are willing to have it. Yes. And I think some people are just very skittish about of wanting to do that because you don't right. want to have, you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. You don't want to make right. them feel any worse than they already do. Right. And when I, I also want to just acknowledge all the losses that we've had. I mean, I was thinking about that the grief is widespread, right? It is mm -hmm. um, accumulative and collective. Mm -hmm. and, it, I'm, and not just death, but I'm talking about loss of job, yeah. loss of relationships, loss of routines, loss of self. Loss of feeling safe. Yeah. Loss of being a risk taker. Exactly. Yeah. A lot right. of loss and grief. Yeah. And you can bring that mm -hmm. to the table and acknowledge it. Right, and acknowledge it. Exactly. And don't be afraid to do that. Right. And what End in Mind does is helps us have that conversation. Right. 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 And so some people ask, they're just shocked that I'm doing this work. Yeah. It is, and I, I can't tell you how many people say, isn't it depressing? Yeah. Like, no, it's the most joy-filled. Wow inspiring yeah. work I've ever done. Yeah. I've done a lot of stuff as a journalist, and I'm using my talents as a journalist to do this other work now, and I'm having a ball. I mean, when I say, and it is joy, it can be joy-filled, yes, but mostly it's inspiring work, and I just really well, love it. It's very inspiring, and you're very inspiring to me, and you're very inspiring to, to the woman at the piano who wrote that, that song. That I just love. I just, that is just so We'll beautiful. get you a copy of it. We'll get you a copy Seriously, of it. thank you so much. Yeah. You've made my... You've made my year by See. even, oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Thank you, Kathy Werzer, for oh, helping Sue us have the conversation. Sue Scott. Thank you, thank you, fun. thank you. I thank you, you so much. Thank you so much, Kathy. Okay, that's our show for tonight. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to put this back on here. Thank you again to Kathy Werzer. Thank you so much. So much appreciated. And thank you to Jennifer Grimm and Joe Cruz. Yay! Yes, yes, yes. And thank you to our guest storyteller, Carol Jean Anderson. And our cast, Day Yang, Silvio Pontaza, and Zippy Lasky at the piano. Thank you to our engineer, Catherine Horowitz. She was assisted by Michaela Finnegan as well, and Barry Browning, thank you for lighting us. And Amanda Shavik, thank you for taking our pictures. And our volunteer, Suzanne Egley, and the staff here at the Women's Club, thank you, thank you. All right, we'll be back next month for another live Island of Discarded Women. Thank you, everybody. I'm Sue Scott. Good night. <laughs>